Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, this week's supporting partners, We Are One Composites and Canyon have got some great offers for you. I've been on We Are One's wheels for years now and I love them. Recently, I had the chance to ride their new Convergence wheels, and I can report that once again, they've nailed it. The team at Wheel One have managed to take their incredible durability and ride feel from their Revolution wheels and turn it up to 11, making the wheels tougher than ever and even better to ride. Not only that, but they look really good too. Whether you're interested in their brand new Convergence wheels, their still very awesome Revolution wheels, or their depackaged bar and stem, Downtime listeners can get 15% off by using the code DOWNTIMEFEBRUARY2023 at the checkout over at weareonecomposites.com before the 5th of March 2023. That's Downtime with a capital D, February with a capital F, followed by the number 2023, all one word, over at weareonecomposites.com. Don't forget, this code must be entered at the final stage of the checkout process on the Confirm Order page. Spring feels like it really is just around the corner. And if you're looking for a new ride for this year, then you'd be crazy not to go and check out the trail sale on canyon.com. There's discounts across a load of canyons, mountain bike and e-mountain bike range. And as a downtime listener, you can save even more. You can get yourself free bike guard packaging on your trail sale purchase just by using the code the-trail-sale-2023 at the checkout. That's the-trail-sale-2023, all lowercase over at canyon.com. Terms and conditions apply and you'll find those in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, here are a few quick ways in which you can support the podcast. Downtime t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies are available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. If you fancy some non-digital downtime, well, for just £20 a year, you can subscribe to our biannual printed mountain bike journal, Downtime EP. It's made in collaboration with the awesome team over at Misspent Summers, which make Hurley Burley, The World Stage, and other incredible print. Downtime EP takes the topics and themes from the podcast and brings them into a stunning print format, featuring mountain biking's most talented writers and photographers. You can subscribe to get your very own copies of these beautiful pieces of print over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. If you want a bit more downtime in your life, then you can join my newsletter where I'll send you a bit of behind the scenes info on the podcast, interesting bits and pieces from around the mountain bike world, some mini reviews of products that I've been using and like, partner offers and more. You can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Otherwise, don't forget to follow the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. You can do that by hitting the button in your podcast app now, or there's buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. All the links for all of that are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. You can either listen to today's episode right here, or if you prefer to watch it, you can now do that from 7pm UK time on the day the episode launches over on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash at downtimepodcast. I'll also stick a link to the video in the show notes for this episode on downtimepodcast.com. All right, this week I'm joined by Cy Payton. Cy is a four-cross national champion and downhill racer who's grafted his way to working full-time in the sport that he loves. We hear Cy's story of how he ended up becoming the organiser for the British National Downhill Series for over 11 years. Find out what drove Cy away from that role and how he ended up reviving the awesome Malvins Festival. We hear Cy's thoughts on how the Discovery Takeover will impact racing on both a world and national stage, along with what it will take to make national-level downhill racing great again. Cy has a huge amount of experience and a unique perspective from his time as a race organiser, commentator, commissaire and racer. So, without further ado, here's Cy Payton. Cy Payton, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. Thanks for uh, taking the trip over to 
this wonderful <laughs> studio slash spare room. Sunny. Now I will actually say Clangoflin. I mean, I am from Birmingham, so uh-huh. I would normally say Langollen, but in, in public I have to say Clangoflin. You spent enough time here over the years, so I have. You know, um, oh, if you're gonna ask, see, I should do my homework. If you're gonna, if you're going to ask me, I think I first came here in probably 2009. Yeah. Do you know the his? Do you know the history of Clangoflin downhill? I don't know. Not from a not from a riding perspective. Go on. Give should us we a start? Bit. Should we? we, on, we we're probably going off script already. But um, so I used to run the before the BDS British Daniel series. Yeah. It was called the MPS yeah, National yeah. Point Series. We yeah. changed the name actually because people kept thinking it was a horse race. <laughs> that is the truth. Um, and uh, so myself and Steve Parr ran the series. Yeah. And him and Matt Simmons uh, one day were having a drive around, and they drove along, and they went up the hill whatever that hill's called, mm. which I can never pronounce. They went up that hill and then really good. That's what you used to have to do back in the day. Have a look, have a scout round, find there's a hill. Oh, oh my God, there's a road. There's a road that goes to the top. Knocked on some doors, found out who the farmer was. And there we go. Death Woods. Yeah. The first MPS that was there that Brendan Fairclough won it. He won it the second year as well. And I think about 60 riders went home on the Saturday morning. Fair dues. It is unlike anything else on a, at a race in the uk i would say that top woods i've, I've ridden the track next to the BD, old bds track yeah. and that was enough of a wake up like you you knew you were in trouble because steve pete's first practice run he went straight over the bars and into the crash net and everyone was stood there going oh my goodness and that was and pete was you know on top of his game back then yeah and was always good on a first run as well steve's good at like yeah getting down the hill fast straight off yeah but that was, I mean, that was a course, you know. I don't think there ever been a, there might have been a course in the UK, but where there was crash netting, but there was crash netting on every corner yeah. for the first six or seven corners. Pretty but, gnarly. Uh, so yeah, so that so I've been coming back to uh, Clangoflin for uh, 14, 15 odd yeah, years. So, a long, long uh, time. Yeah, it's got, it's got a, it's nice to come back. Good. Well, let's, um, I mean, you've got this huge wealth of experience in the mountain bike world, but let's just wind it back a little bit and get some background on you. You grew okay. up in Birmingham. Tell us a little bit about like the early days of you and bikes. And I mean, it was before mountain bike was a thing, right? Well, you say Birmingham, it's only three and a half miles from the centre of Birmingham. It's Smethwick. It's actually, okay. it's actually the black country. All right. No, people might say, hold <laughs> on, what's the black country? And it's actually because it used to be an industrial town area back in the day yeah and it was full of black smog that's yeah. why it was called the black Lots of foundries and 100 percent yeah. exactly right by the canals you know if you walked to school you know you had a bad throat <laughs> the, the, the toxins the toxins were horrendous yeah i, I, I never had hair no i did yeah that, 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 that i lost that in my 30s so yeah but i uh, bought up in a an area called smethwick which is uh yeah, quite a deprived area to be uh-huh. honest single parent block of flats yeah 14 story block of flats uh then moved into the Masonettes, three-story flats. Uh, yeah, life was tough. Life was hard. Yeah. But um, I say to my kids now, you know, we had metal frame windows and there was ice on the inside. It was cold. That's pretty chilly. <laughs> it was cold, yeah. you know, and we walked We walked to school. It was like a long way, you know, but that's that's what you did back then. Yeah. But, you know what? It didn't, didn't hurt. No. Toughened you up. Yeah. Prepared you for the, the years ahead. <laughs> so... Um, you know, and luckily I don't have ice on the inside of my windows anymore. You're making making progress. <laughs> this is good. If the, if the electricity bills keep rising, I might have to. But uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, we're in February now, so uh, things, Come, things coming out of the far yeah, side. Yeah, things it. are getting a little bit warmer. So um, 
yeah, you know, it was it was an interesting time, you know, back back in the day. Um, like most kids, saw ET nineteen eighty. I'll say eighty two. Might have come out in eighty one, eighty two. But yeah, uh, around that, wow. Do you know what I mean watching ET and just that the bike scene, the, the chase, like gave me goosebumps. Uh-huh. You know, luckily I got a a, a really. You know, it was ninety pounds. That's what everyone got a ninety pound BMX, a yeah. Moto One, um, which was just—it was like an entry level rally burner sort of thing. It was a very entry level bike, and uh, but oh, the days on that. You know, as kids, we'd go out. There'd be a group of us from the council estate, be like twenty strong. You'd have your jam sandwiches. You'd make your jam sandwiches. You know, and you know, you couldn't buy a can of Coke or you know you just took took your own water with you that was yeah. it. it it was that's what you went with you didn't have any money yeah you can ask your mom, mom for some money so i'm going to the chip shop it's like i'll do some jam sandwiches <laughs> and and that's what you had but there'd be 20 of you off to the local not even a bmx track just some a place with some bomb holes some and lumps devil's yeah. drop it was called cool, the billiards used to go there and um i never forget going and oh the trauma from it you know um <laughs> I wanted a number plate, but I couldn't afford a number plate, a Harrow number plate, which was probably about 10, 12 quid back then. I, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember how much they were. And I remember getting an ice cream, the rectangular ice cream lid. I mem- I actually, to this day, will remember putting the screwdriver in the corners, <laughs> um, bits of string, putting that on. I had a marker pen or some felt tips or something and drew a number seven on there and tried to draw an Oakley logo. You know that old school Oakley logo? <laughs> yeah, yeah got to the track place and I actually got ripped. I was, I was 12, 11, 12 year old, you know, I was small. I'm small now. I was smaller uh-huh. then. And uh, I probably looked like I was about nine and the big kicks just ripped, ripped me apart. I remember going home crying. Oh, I rode man. home on my own crying. I was, I was gutted, but yeah, <laughs> it was tough back in the day. Yeah. But you know what? It, it, it makes you, it, it sets you up for life. That does. Definitely. You know? If you can handle that at 11, 12 years old. Yeah. Running events, being in a pub in the streets in Birmingham. <laughs> you say what you want to me, it don't matter. You yeah, know? yeah. I got hurt when I was 11. You can't hurt me any more Fair. than that. And there was an entrepreneurial streak from a young age when you're like saving bus money and using that to. <laughs> How do you know that? Oh, mate. Done my research. That is true. You know what? As a, as a kid, when we used to, I used to, um, I, it was 12p on the bus, and I used to work out if I walked that many bus stops, so it was only 8p. <laughs> And then if I walked back, you know, obviously from the other side, did that as well. So I'd save 4p. I'd save 8p a day. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's all right, isn't it? I do that. And I'll never forget being a, uh, in the dinner hall. I'm sure they still have that in schools. Yeah. The old free, I, yeah, I was the only kid in my class that had free school dinners as well. That was a bit embarrassing. But yeah, if you were a single parent at a Roman Catholic school, that was unusual. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone else was married. Everyone else's <laughs> mom and dad was together. Yeah. I had a bad dad. Um, so yeah, I used to say to the dinner ladies, I remember I was probably like 10 and going to the dinner ladies. They, were, they used to stack the chairs and put them on top of the tables. Yeah. I'd be like, I'll do that for you in lunch, end of end of the dinner service. And um, I used to get five pence a day <laughs> for stacking the table, uh, stacking the chairs, putting them on the tables Yeah. so they could mop and clean up all the mess. I used to get 25p a week. Nice. Plus the bus fare money. Plus the bus fare money. And then when I went to senior school, big school, yeah. when you were like 11 years old, because um, the teacher strikes, which were on back then, uh, so you the teachers didn't want to be in the playground. Um, so you were allowed out. Uh-huh. 
and everyone used to want to go to the chip shop, but they still did the school dinners. Yeah. So if you were on free school dinners, you got a, a dinner ticket, which was worth, it was 30p or something when I first started. I think when I left it, it would have gone up to about 50p after yeah. five years. Uh, so I used, to, I used to be the kid that I was the, I, used to, I was the Dell boy. I was the kid. <laughs> I'd buy the dinner ticket off you because a, a, a portion of chips was 20p. So yeah. kids just wanted a portion of chips. So I'd buy your dinner ticket for like 20p or whatever it was. <laughs> Uh, you'd have enough money to go and get some chips and then I'd sell your dinner ticket for that. I'd make five, 10 P on each dinner ticket and sell that. So I used to make a few quid a week. Yeah. You'd started sussing it out. Well, that's yeah. And then of course, didn't really have anything to spend my money on except my BMX stuff, Yeah, which back then was cheap and you didn't really break anything. Cause mm. I was only little and I wasn't really doing big jumps or drops. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just started from there. So um, I've kind of been doing that ever since. Awesome. Where does mountain biking fit in? And do you remember like mountain biking becoming a thing? Yes. I, uh, you know, that's a question that is. Uh, Rad, do you know what Rad Magazine is? Yeah, the old BMX bike. B- so it's yeah. BMX Action Bike turned into Rad Magazine. Yeah. Um, and they actually, well, interestingly, so before then, Rad Magazine started feature because Rad Magazine became Rad Magazine because of skateboarding. Okay. And there was an insert probably back in, it was probably an eight, 10 page insert with, I never forget Tony Magnusson. No, I don't skate, know the name. Skater, yeah. big backside ollie out of a bowl. Uh-huh. And it was like, hold on, he's not holding onto it. What's like, like it was skating, you know, and it was the, those days, fluorescent colors, ocean Pacific stuff yeah five swat swatches on each arm <laughs> and an archaic adjustment and and it was just this big thing down there and it was like wow so i, I was actually a skateboarder for like a proper you know okay i had a part-time job and just skateboarded every day yeah until i snapped my ankle off and had two operations 10 pins and a metal plate and that was kind of mm. <sighs> skateboarding's a dangerous game you know, mountain biking's hard. Yeah. Skateboarding's a hundred times harder than, than, than mountain biking. Give a kid a give a kid a skateboard and tempt to wally up a curb. He's he's going to take him a month. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's 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 hard going. But so so they then did something in action. Maybe it was in action bike. Maybe it wasn't even in Rad Magazine. I remember seeing there was a black dude on a, a mountain bike. It was probably a ma- ma- like a rally maverick or something like that. with those bull bars, you know those sort of yeah, V bars yeah, yeah. with the. Uh, is that what they're called? Bull bars? Yeah, I think were they? So. yeah. Like I don't a know funny bar is. thing, you know. Yeah. And it was like, the, and they weren't called mountain bikes; they were called ATBs, all terrain bicycles. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, that's cool. And then a, a skater that I knew, he had a a Carrera with the, like a U brake thing down at the bottom, behind the bottom bracket, underneath. Yeah some strange reason that was a good design at the time and I, I bought that and I used to ride to the skate park uh, well Birmingham wheels yeah. uh, to the mini ramps the vert ramp and stuff bowl there I used to ride with that and then suddenly thought you know what this is actually quite good being a city centre kid living in a block of flats in a crap area I could get out to my local woods you know which were half hour ride away Clent Hills yeah. and it was like you know I'd done enough of hanging around this, this, the city streets and the gutters and actually to be out in the countryside and get away with it from everything was actually really liberating and just just nice yeah and then the people you met were like but it was this you know we weren't road riders we weren't clipped in yeah you know I st- on a mountain bike i'll never clip in never ever clipped in um <laughs> still flat pedals um but yeah it was like getting away from all that and it was still being a rebel it was like being a skater a bmxer yeah but not conforming to the road bike and you know, everyone was in Lycra and stuff. And, you know, um, 
you know, we started, you know, we started racing. Well, there was anything you could race was cross country. Yeah. You know, but I used to race cross country, flat pedals, um, which is an interesting story because I moved to Liverpool. And I met Nigel Page. I was going to say this was your like early racing career was with Pagey, right? Uh, I started early nineties, probably cross country early nineties. Yeah, uh, racing things like Bob's Bash in Redditch. Yeah, yeah. Um, got banned. <laughs> I remember, I'll never forget going up the finish straight, and there was a guy, and yeah, we might have elbowed him off the track <laughs> into the crowd, and might that might have happened, and. Um, yeah, and uh, Gary Brain, Peer Cycles has got some videos of me racing cross country. I just used to knock people off. <laughs> the four cross career was shaping up. It, before was, it was, was even shaping thing, up yeah. real nice, real nice. And the guy, the Bob Meredith, um, Tracy Bourne Farm, yeah, he, he, he ran over to me at the end. He said, I've never seen anyone ride like that before. I was like, oh, thanks. He went, no, you're banned for life. <laughs> So that was it. Uh, so my cross country days kind of kind of finished then. But yeah, so I met Paige early '96. I moved to Liverpool. Yeah, uh, I was managing a jean shop up there, um, and uh, that I saw you. You had to go in the back of MBUK magazine, and it was like mountain bike groups, yeah, club things. It was Thato Heath Wheelers, Thato Heath somewhere near Warrington or St Helens uh -huh. near Liverpool, and um, I went on a ride with them one Sunday morning as you did. Met Nigel Page. Then we went to a a Leisure Lakes. Leisure Lakes originally was in. Preston way and there were surf like a windsurfing shop okay and they had a I don't think it was them or well, it was there there was a cross country race so me and Nigel Page both wearing a pair of vans at a cross country race everyone else is obviously in the devil pedals no <laughs> maybe even um, toe clips yeah yeah back then I yeah. used to racing toe clips yeah look them up kids uh, another devil thing machine thing effort they were they were horrendous contraption uh, and then there was this guy this little dude rocked up with a pair of vans on and it was like all right as you did yeah you know back then if someone had a stussy t-shirt on you know you give them a little nod a little yeah wink, do you part know what of mean? the crew sort of yeah, thing yeah 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 they, they they knew they you know it was like a pair of vans and it was you know they were old school vans you know you could buy them from cheshire oaks for a fiver <laughs> because <laughs> it said on the box made but made by hand one by one because that's the best way wow old checkered vans that nobody wanted yeah and they were 4.99 in cheshire oaks amazing um there's one of those outlet stores you could you could buy them for that and it was like so yeah we started right right racing cross country with with with, with pagey and and johnny beckett yeah which um if anybody knows who Johnny Beckett is these days, it's um... yeah, it's a shame that that sort of side of things has faded out. But yeah, give us some background on that because that's the first time I guess that you stepped away from being a normal person who then <laughs> rode bikes to someone who was fully like involved in the bike world. Yeah, yeah. so I met Jet Beck Johnny in '96. He was a good BMX racer back in the day from 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 Northern Ireland. Um, I think he had a connection with Page because Page was a top BMX racer back in the day. Like when yeah. he was like nine or ten, he was. British champion. I mean, he's obviously still really good now, but he he was he was he was mustard then. Um and so Johnny Beckett was like, I'm gonna run a website. It was like, all right, kind of it was the dawn of that age, you yeah. know, for websites. And this was when like MBUK Dirt magazine would only have and, and magazines would only have a landing page, and a landing page would just be a, almost like a blank page. So our next issue is out, and there'd be a, maybe a picture of the front cover you know, on the fifth of next month yeah. and that was it you know and there'd be and this bike or an interview with this person that would be it so we started doing race reports he said do you want to come and do it and i was like yeah i'll do that and i just used to go to as i was based in the midlands so i'd go down to sort of uh the 
before the Peer Series, it was called the uh, the Midland Super Series. Yeah. Um, and then Jason Carpenter, amazing. He did the Dragon Downhills, which was just like, well, we talk about Clangoflin steep tracks. Yeah, you'd yeah. go to a Dragon Downhill. It was next level, eh? Oh, you'd get to that, in practice, the first run down, you'd get to the third corner and there'd be 50 people stood there. You'd be like, whoa, <laughs> what's happening? And you'd be like, ah, oh, right, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I forget, Scott Beaumont said to me, he said, um, you were fastest through that section. I said, I got off and ran. <laughs> he said, yeah, you were the fastest through there. <laughs> Diagonal routes, you know, this high, like, you, you know, you, you, I remember falling off seven times in my race run and I still got second. Mad, eh? Like, I am not telling the, the truth. Yeah, I'm not lying there. That's yeah. the truth. Seven times in a race when I fell off. Because you couldn't get down the course. Second. You'd yeah. stand there and go, wow. So we used to do those race reports for people for people like, well, for, for obviously for the website. Yeah. Which was great because you, you got your name out there. Um, and this was like dial-up times, you know, the modem. Beep, 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 beep. And you'd only want to load two or three pictures. I had a very... Well, in this, it was a HP camera. Don't even ask me what megapixels it was. You know, <laughs> one or something. It was almost had a floppy, um, oh, floppy disk. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't quite that bad, but it was um, the memory on it was. I couldn't even tell you what it was. It was probably like well, it wouldn't have been gig, would it? It'd have been like meg. Some I don't even know yeah, what it would have been. Yeah, it, yeah, was tiny. Yeah. it was tiny. It was terrible. So really poor quality pictures. You'd put two or three pictures up. You'd write the race report. You know who won. A couple of the results. Um, and that was a great way to get into the industry, yeah. just to get your foot in the door, um, you know, and I wasn't that good to get sponsored, really. <laughs> I wasn't that fast. I was all right. I could ride a bike, but it was, people were fast then. People were fit and healthy. People pedaled. Yeah. You know, um, and there were some, there were some brilliant riders, you know, as there are now, but. Yeah, it was, it was a good era. There was a good, there was yeah. a lot of good, everyone at the track was good. Yeah. They were all good riders back then. So yeah, that was the birth of the uh, internet, really. Descent World, um, back in the day, yeah, yeah, good few years ago. And Descent Gear, did that kind of come off the back of the whole Descent World thing? Like, how does that fit in? Well, it's a similar name, obviously, D Descent Decent Gear sort of thing. So I had a bike, I, I did have a bike shop, but then it all went downhill. Overheads costs. Uh -huh. So we used to go to bike races. I was like, well, I'm going to the bike races anyway, and then I got sponsored by. I think Maxis. This is when Maxis used to just do the Max Pro tire with that. Remember the the orange band around the tire? Yeah, yeah. 60A, hard compound, rock hard they were. <laughs> and uh, they were distributed by Rally. And the bloke from Rally went, do you want an easy up? I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. I'll have a Maxis easy up. Yeah. yeah. And I had some tires. And, I, and you know, you used to put your tires out and you used to lock something from Birmingham and lock everything out. You used to lock them out. And people go, how much are them, mate? I'd be like, oh, they're not for sale. Well done. <laughs> Remember maybe the, they are remember me old uh, bus ticket and dinner ticket days uh, they're definitely for, how many do you want mate and he was like and I was like I could sell these so I went back to rally and went can I open an account and they went oh, you haven't got a shop because everyone wanted a bricks and mortar shop and they didn't really get stuff you know there was no internet sales really back then in, yeah not as far as I'm aware um, so yeah so I just started selling Max's tyres and I was the tyre guy yeah you know and then I started and then then got sponsored by Spygog. Because again, this was, we ran the Descent World team. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, again, I tried to get Josh Bryson on that, but he just, we, we slightly missed out on him. Um, but we supported Danny Hart back in the day originally, so yeah. people like that. But so yeah, we we had this, we went to this, the races, we had a had a, a van, the old Sprinter van that had done about 8 million miles <laughs> that was dangerous. 
big awning on it and just sold, 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 stack them high, watch yeah. them fly. Yeah. And it was the place where there was certain stuff that it, that was pretty much the only place you could get it from was from you guys. Like Troy Lee stuff was hard to get hold of then. And Yeah. So we, we would, we would stack up like Troy Lee helmets. You know, I remember when the D3 first came out, I bought an 18 grand order in trade price. Yeah. You know, literally bought every D3 that came in. But, you know, so I went to the races and you wanted a D3 helmet, you wanted a Lee helmet, you wanted Troy Lee gloves. Max's tyres, two for 40 pounds. Bargain. Can you imagine how many of your hands you get bitten <laughs> off for that now? Yeah, you're 80 quid a tyre now, aren't yeah. you? 80 quid in. So, yeah, so we sold a lot of tyres. We'd, we'd sell, it was only chain reaction that sold more tyres than us. Yeah. But we would buy bundles of 25 tyres at a time. But you come to a race, people would buy them, you know. We'd get to the Mega Avalanche and people would be like waiting. They'd be like, they'd be phoning, <laughs> are you on the way? Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm by grenoble you know i'm two hours away we'll yeah. be there but yeah so we yeah we sold a lot of tires we did we did all right we did all right yeah there. so descent world and descent gear are going pretty well what uh happened to kind of change path a little bit and head off into race organization i believe it was a young mr warner had something to do with it you are right there <laughs> you have done your research yeah rob warner's to blame uh we went to come um at, you know, it's it's hard being a race organizer. So I don't really want to criticize, but the uplift was, you know, it was it was terrible. It was it was terrible. There was there was big waves. Don't get me wrong. I had the same problem at, at Clangoughlin last year. You know, the uplift. We thought what we had, what we booked and ordered, and didn't work out. But anyway, these things happen. But this was terrible. This was particularly bad. And even one of the one of the vans fell, crashed into the bank, a Luton van. And I tell you what, if it had gone the other way, there'd have been people dead because mm. it would have gone down the hill. Luckily, it Jeez. fell into the bank. It was like at four, everyone screamed. We were in the van behind. Yeah. And um, Rob Warner was going crazy. At the, there was a woman on the uplift, bless her. And Rob Warner made her cry. Oh, no. <laughs> bad man, that Rob Warner. He's a bad man. And um, he went, Sai, you'd do a better job than this. Because he'd obviously seen me organising, doing the website and having the shop and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah. And everyone's going, yeah, why don't you organise it? We're all stood in the queue. I mean, it just rained all day. Everyone was soaking wet. I was like, all right, okay. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll have a go. So then I teamed up with Steve Parr, who had mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, he sort of, he was based in the Midlands sort of things. He'd run a, a round of the Midlands Super Series. That's yeah. when they had a different race director for each race there. So he he sort of knew what he was doing on the race side of things. He was good with a shovel. Um, I was good at more, my side of things was obviously on the promotion. And that's what more the detailed elements of the racing. Uh, I'd also become a commissaire because um, I was sick to death of my mate cheating and beating me, Paul <laughs> Slater. Um, yeah, so I thought uh, he kept getting th three runs Slater, we used to call him. He used to, get, he used to fall off because he was a big bloke. He used to go up to the commissaire and say, oh, he'd say, so, you know, a dog had run across the track and something. <laughs> he'd get another run. And then uh, he, he, and he beat me on his third run the one day. And I was like, right, I'm going to be a British cycling commissaire. So uh, I thought I'm going to know the rules now. Um, so yeah, so I knew that's more. I, I knew some of the the race behind the scenes because yeah. as a race you don't know the ins and outs. Yeah, what's of going Marshalling, on? taping, red flags, yellow flags, radios, yeah. medics. There's there's a whole lot of mess that you have to bundle together. So yeah, we 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 organised the 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 MPS National Point Series for three years. Yeah. Um, what kind of state was it when you picked it up? It was in a mess. There yeah. was about. 15 elite riders would come. Um, we picked it up and the previous organizer hadn't paid the bills for the previous year. Oh, when I went to order skips, crowd barriers, toilets, things like that. Oh, you still haven't paid from last year. 
No, no, no. But, you know, you're the MPS because that's what he was called. Yeah. Were, it was called the MPS. Yeah, it was National Point Series. Yeah. It was like, no, 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 we're the new MPS. But, oh, well, it's the same company. No, it's not the same company, mate. It's a different company. But, yeah, so it, it just got run into the ground, um, you know, um, which could lead on to the commentating side. The organiser of that, he used to do the commentating, the timing, and organise the race. So yeah. we sat in, in these gazebo at the finish line, handling all of that. And that's when I said to him, well done. The, the commentator wasn't that good. I was like, give me the microphone, I'll do it. And because it was just terrible. Yeah, I mean, he, he couldn't organise a race and do the timing. Yes, yeah, and do the commentating. Yeah. That's the three, that's at least three people's jobs, yeah. not just one. So, yeah, that's when I, I took that off him. And yeah, so we, we picked it up, we ran it for three years um, and we lost money for the first three years. You know, we walked out of that, Steve left, and we were seven grand in the hole, um, which I had to foot the bill. Yeah. Uh, that was tough times because I, I couldn't afford to, um, I couldn't afford to, re I, I refunded everyone in the end. I uh -huh. couldn't afford to refund the people who had refunds. I couldn't afford to put f fuel in my van. It was, um, yeah, we lost money, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, it was tough times for me at that point. Uh, then we met up with um, an, a good old friend who's Dave Franziosi. Okay. Uh, who um, used to work in a scrapyard. He used to run Southern Downhill. Yeah, yeah, okay. Which was the other website. Yeah, to Descent for World, yeah. But they had a big, this is when people had forums. Remember the forums? Yeah. Everyone would be on the forums. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, so that was a big thing. And then I teamed up with him. And you know what? Dave, probably the cleverest guy in mountain biking. You know, uh, the bluntest, <laughs> perhaps the rudest, but uh, told you the truth and was just, just just fantastic at, at bringing in sponsors yeah and just delivering events yeah. you know he i took care of the finish line upwards um and the internet side of things he took care of like the sponsors and the trade stands the caterers so it was, we were a good team uh and we ran that for three i'm gonna say for three years mm -hmm. uh and so he bought in halo he then worked for ice and distribution halo yeah. as a distributor um sorry ice and as the distribution that sponsored it with halo wheels uh, which is the first real good size cash injection uh, and really lifted and promoted the events. Yeah. You know, and four out of the five events were UCI. I think we the one year we gave away 17 grand in prize money, cash, pound notes. Prize money was great. Yeah. You know, the UCI points was good. We, we ran a really, really good event. Um, and that's when we started getting to people to come along like Monster Energy. Yeah. Um, we were the first... British race series to give equal prize money to women. Uh -huh. We started off then um, the one year we gave all the um, all the posters. We used to go around the town like a month before and put posters out and flyers. That was uh, all women that one year. Yeah, um, we really. This was like 10, 12 years ago, promoting okay. women's attendance at the races. We we did that. Yeah, they've come up with some really good ideas. Like if you won the series as the elite, okay, it was the elite male at the time. Um, but then you were the the cover the cover shop the cover boy you know on all the posters yeah. uh, on our stickers and stuff that we did so I think Mark Beaumont won it at least once so you know and that was good for his sponsors I can't remember he was on GT at the time um, but yeah so Dave was very good at the promotional side of things and uh -huh. it really helped lift the status of the series to become I never said this but a lot of people would say it was was the sort of the premier national series around the world you yeah. know. Because uh, things like in America, like the Norbers, they they died a death. Uh, yeah, there's obviously some great eh? things like the Maxis Cup were brilliant. Yeah. Um, but really around the world, it's just the and the Brits were dominating. 
you know it was a great time for the brits to be yeah be, be racing and and the the bds the british downhill series at the time uh was the catalyst for that you know people were coming in strong people like danny hart were coming up through the ranks josh bryceland um and i can't remember the year but it was uh the three british women man and one gold yeah rachel, rachel got second or tani got second or yeah. third and then in the men's did you win it and bryceland got second or something like that it was like f the three women were brits mm. And the two male, the top two male players. Was that 2014? Right. The year that, that Josh Ish. broke his foot. Was it that year? I'm too old to remember these. <laughs> you, you get a, people throw dates at me and I'm like, I have no idea. When you've been around that, what you just... It's just, seen so much of it. My brother's really good. He says, oh yeah, that was that year. Sam Hill was riding this bike and he, he did this and he fell off on that. I'm like, how do you remember that? But when you're like 10 or 12... You remember that stuff. Like yeah, I remember yeah. stuff like about E.T. and films like that <laughs> and those eras and those BMX races back in the day. But it all, yeah, it gets a bit cloudy. Yeah. But the scene was going well, right? You were bringing riders in, like you had, you know, riders like Sam Hill, Emily and Rago, like come into. Yeah, to, Sam, we had Sam Hill Nationals. at, at, at Coombe uh, Fort William National. We you know we'd put it on a month before the World Cup. I'd, I would spend a lot of time going on the UCI website, finding all the UCI team managers around the world and uh -huh. emailing them directly, messaging them, going, come along, bring your van. I'd, I'd find places for them to store their juggernauts. Um, and they could even get them serviced over here while they needed to, stuff uh -huh. like that. So I really made it very easy for, for those international riders. So I think the one you've had 96 riders at Fort William uh, National. Uh, and we had Marcelo Gutierrez coming from Colombia. I had Troy Brosnan coming over. So people may, I mean, they didn't come for the national, you know, they came for the practice for the World Cup, which was a month later. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting because like you think you've done an absolutely amazing job. And I never forget one, one kid's dad come up to me where I'm not happy. You've got uh, Finn Isles was there and I think he just won the whip off and he was junior world champion. Yeah. Okay. Finn Isles is here. I was like, yeah, it's good. And he went, no, he's going to beat my son. <laughs> what? And I was like, well, yeah, maybe on paper, but, but what an experience to, you know, son, get, get in front of Finn Isles on the chairlift, right? Yeah. Blast down to the top of the motorway section, right? See him come in and then jump on his tail, like follow him down the motorway section. I mean, yeah. he might be race speed. He might be whipping it out, but what an experience that is to follow, you know, the junior world champion, you as a junior, you can't get on the football pitch with David Beckham. Exactly. You yeah. can't get on the racetrack with um, uh, Lewis Hamilton. You could, you, you, you could do that at a BDS and people would moan at you. <laughs> well, I was going to say mountain bikers are pretty good at complaining. You've had your fair share of it over the years. What, like how, how do you deal with that? And what, what were the big complaints when you were in charge of things? Like uplift wait times is always one of the biggies. I, I mean, yeah, uplift is, is always a problem. You know, we've been at, um, we were at Riola the one year and um, there was probably five coaches and three of the coaches broke down. Which you can't, you can't really account for And you're for like, that. wow. You know, and then the coaches blocked everyone in at the end and said they <laughs> we, we had to pay for their crankshafts or things like that. And the, 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 they were going to get, like the riders were going to smash the coaches up. Because the, the, they they blocked the exit at Riola to get out, Jeez. you know. Um, the coach we paid in advance for Scotland for the coaches. Uh, this coach company and they sent some uh, VIP coaches. So the VIP coach drivers turned up and went, "You lot ain't getting on here," and they went home. <laughs> and we had to get some more coaches in stuff like that. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, it's always 
you know, it's all it's always a problem. You know, even at pace like like malt free, we we we've we've had the tractor drivers specifically told by the by the by the farmers that the farmer organizer don't go down that part of the hill and they've rolled the tractor. Luckily, the only the tractor driver was in the tractor. Yeah, he survived. He was all right, a bit bruised, but yes, yeah, so the uplifts are always a nightmare. But um, yeah, we, I, yeah, I wouldn't say death threats, but uh, I've had letters saying off pro riders, email letters, emails off pro riders. Um, yeah, one local to here actually. I won't mention his name. <laughs> it's it's old news, but you know, I, I, we hate you. Everyone hates you. The day you stop doing the national series will be the best day ever. You know open letters to about for Dave and myself saying how we were racist, you know, and stop phoning the air ambulance. Well, you can't phone the air ambulance because when you phone 999, it's fire, police, ambulance or coast guard, you know, uh, and just sending open letters to sponsors and just saying how much we disliked in the scene and what a bad job we're doing. And then, but you look at the results and the people that we're attracting. I mean, I don't do it to make friends. Yeah. yeah you okay. know, it's yeah. like being the England football manager. You don't do it to make friends you know and you know people don't like you because you do go into the field you know and say to them can you stop doing donuts in your car yeah at eight o'clock at night there's kids around and dogs women and children yeah of course Cy Payton's a little Hitler I ate him <laughs> well he didn't say why yeah it's because yeah you were doing donuts yeah you took it upon yourself you know you gotta imagine you go to a race you got 300 people 300 testosterone filled riders you know, from the male side of things, you know, they're all hyped up, jacked up and you've got to control them. Yeah. You know, uh, it wasn't my race, but um, <laughs> I can say this now, it's a long time ago. People like Sam Dale, Josh Bryceland, you know, uh, went up in Gareth Bruins pickup truck at Bala, Ruda Fellin, <laughs> went up the fire road on, when you're not allowed to take your own uplift vehicle, came zooming down the fire road, lost it, rolled it. <laughs> like, like totally wrote off the pickup truck. You know, and they fell out. There people sat in the back of it and all sorts fell oh, out. Man. You know, luckily no one was injured. But yeah. imagine Friday night. Oh, yeah, three of the top junior riders have been killed at the event, at the mountain bike race. It's not a good look, is it? No, the race would have been cancelled. Yeah. It would have stopped, you know. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you're never going to make friends doing If you want to, if you're going thinking about being a mountain bike organiser, you're not going to make any friends because you are spending half your time telling people to do stuff that they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And then, you know, walking up the course, no helmet on, you know, riding down the course. I've had people ride down the course with no helmet on. Ridiculous. You know, I get people getting to the top of the course. Where's your number board? It's in my pocket. What do you think? <laughs> think it's probably a good idea to put it on your bike you know we've had people turn up in the finish arena and you wake up in the morning on a saturday morning and there's someone camped they got the van in the finish arena <laughs> and you're like that's the finish line mate you know have you parked there amazing like, so yeah it's it's never easy being a race organizer you know it's brilliant there's so many good people there so many people that are appreciative but you are spending half your time asking people you know not to park their car there. Yeah. But I'm with him and why has he parked his car there? Oh, he's gone up the course. Where's his keys? That He's got his keys on him. Well, think of I was waiting to park there. He's, he's parked in the trade stand area. Yeah, he'll be back in an hour. <laughs> Thanks. That's Amazing. Thanks for that, mate. Cheers. Let's, let's talk about the money side of it then because that's the other thing that people often kind of complain about, like the cost of a race and, and where all that goes, obviously you see the other side of it, right? And the amount of investment and effort that goes into making yeah. that race happen. I mean, I, I actually did a, an open letter where I, I actually published my costs where 
this was probably five, six years ago, the average cost of a national British downhill national series was 30 grand. Uh-huh. And everyone's going, you know, because people were moaning about the price. And it was like, but the income is 25 grand. The race entries are 25 grand. You know, I'm spending five grand more. Yeah. Then, well, so where do I get that money from? From, from spectators, from, uh, um, from sponsorship side of things. Um, it was self-funded as well with the likes of Descent Gear there was helping to, you know, pay for my costs of being there as well. So yeah. I, I, I always come out with this, the same story, which some people have heard of, of before with close friends. I always say, prime example, if, when we put a race on at, at Bala, Rudafellin, which is a mile down the road from Revolution Bike Park. May she rest in peace. Yes. Hopefully she'll be back. Hopefully we'll be back. Hopefully, yeah. fingers crossed we'll be back. Brilliant, baby. But, you know, you would pay, and no disrespect, £45 for an uplift at, at the moment, I guess, for an uplift for, yeah. for the day. So if you took your son or daughter to to Revolution, you know, today, if it was open and it was like, did two days there, it's 90 quid, and you went, all right, son, what's going on down there? There's a load of bikers going that way. Oh, yeah, Dad, there's an, a national downhill race there. Oh, why, why aren't we doing that? Oh, it's a rip-off, Dad. It's 95 quid. It's really expensive. Okay, well, let's, should we go and have a look after, you know, finish up on Sunday and go and watch the, the elites ride down and find ones. Oh, yeah. So this is, we've just paid 90 quid to do the uplift for two days. So the race now to do this is 95 quid. Well, if you were clever and a businessman or an accountant, you might go, well, he's got 30 marshals at 50 quid each a day. That's 100 quid. That's yeah. three grand. He's got medics here. Proper medic team here, you know, that's three odd grand. He's got a proper timing team here, that's another three grand. He's got all these crowd barriers, there's a grand. He's got all these toilets here. He's got his commentator. He's got a shed load of prize money. Yeah. All the other infrastructure that goes into place as well to put the event up, the poles, marking out the track. There's a significant cost. That's at least, if you actually work that out on top of the uplift. Yeah. It's another 15, 20 grand. So really those race fees should be 150 quid. And, you know, you could say like, you look at an EWS that's, I was commentating at the one in Scotland, it was, you know, fair enough. I don't complain about the price. It's 170 quid for the weekend. Yes, there's several courses, but there's no uplift. So it, it kind of equates yeah. marking out seven courses, seven lots of time in, marshals, etc. It, it kind of, I'm guessing, yeah. running enduro races, it kind of works itself out. But yeah, a race, a race down or race should be 150 quid. You know, you turn up at a down or race today, that race organizer ain't rolling around in a, ain't driving up, <laughs> turn up in a Ferrari. It's the worst job in the world to have. You know, you'd, you'd probably earn better money working at McDonald's. Mad, isn't it? So what covers, is it like sponsorship that covers that deficit? For me, that's why I did. I had some really good sponsors. But then yeah. if you ask me why I had some really good sponsors, because I had really good promotion. You know, we would pay, we would do a video on Pinkbike. You know, we would have a team of people there like GBB Media, they'd be there for two, three days. They'd produce a 10, 12 minute, a proper, proper video with, with graphics on there, with, you know, the, the names of the riders. Yeah. We, you know, we do stuff like that, a lot of social media side of things. So for, for us, the more we publicized the event, my, my, my money always came from the sponsorship. The yeah. race fees paid for the race, really. That's, that was always Got the golden it. plan. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and rightfully so, then the harder I work on the sponsorship and bring the sponsorship money in, the more money I earn. So the more I promote it, yeah. the more money I get. Yeah. Makes you know? sense. And if I turn up in a Ferrari, which I haven't got, uh, albeit well, yeah. you know, you've still had a great race. You yeah. Know? You still turned up there. You got, at the time, you got as many cans of Monster Energy as you wanted. Shimano or SRAM were there. You know, my, my brother had 
brand new set of uh, lowers because they were they were broken. They didn't know he was my brother. He yeah. was racing at the time. He paid whenever it was probably 80 quid then to race. But you could turn up there. You'd have free support from the like Silverfish with E13 chain devices. You smashed your chain device. They'd put a new one on for you. Or uh, new parts. They'd yeah, replace yeah. what you had. Shimano would be there. You, you know, you snapped your brake lever. They'd put a new one on for free. You know, new rear derailleur. Well, that was... You, you could almost enter the race with a knackered bike. <laughs> Don't say I said this. Rolled around in the field, got a bit of mud on you, you know, and, and rolled up your number board on and go, I've just snapped this, mate. And they had to put a brand new <laughs> rear derailleur on, which would have been more expensive than your race than entry. Your race entry. You, were, yeah. you were quizzing. My brother had a thousand quids worth of work done. You know, the crank brothers were there supporting you with pedals. Yeah. You know, things like that. They would service your pedals for you. Yeah. You know, unfortunately that sort of stuff doesn't happen anymore. No. And you guys even invested in a satellite, right? So you could... Like social media was quite, um, you were probably one of the first organizers to really make the most of that. Yeah. So we, I bought a satellite dish. Um, and then you had to, uh, which the worst thing about that was trying to get a signal. Cause you've got to find exactly what you've got to point it at. Yeah. It's like throwing a dart from here and hitting the bullseye about a hundred meters away. <laughs> and you would be there for either. F it was never five minutes. It was at least an hour to two hours. trying to lock that signal in. But then of course, then the beauty of that being stood in a field in the middle of nowhere was, was for me, from a safety point of view is I could phone yeah. an ambulance, you know, uh, let alone the girlfriend or the wife, but yeah, you <laughs> could phone an ambulance, but also then it allowed you obviously from social media point of view, you know, so I would, I would be there in the finish line and you do that quick. Here comes Joe Smith. Whoosh, you yeah. know, he'd, he'd, and he was good because he would always do a big stoppy across the finish. He'd, do, he'd, he'd always do that. So here comes Joe Smith. And that video would get, back then, thirty. I remember it getting 35,000 views, awesome. you know, on Facebook, which yeah. was, and our Facebook page probably then had eight, 9,000 followers. I mean, I'm talking maybe 10, eight, 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, wonder what it'd get now. Yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, so so that was really good for getting the results up and out straight away, yeah. you know, investing in that. We did actually then invest in some uh, fiber optic cables. We had a deal with GoPro through Madison, some static camera, uh, GoPros on tripods uh, with a control in the back of my van. I mean, on, on a shoestring. Yeah. And we had that on Freecaster. So, so, but we, uh, Freecaster was like, Oh, boys, it's not working like that. I mean, because it was terrible quality. Do you know what I mean? Uh -huh. It was literally camera one, camera two, camera three. And we had a cameraman in the finish arena. For, so all the profits from that year went on that. So yeah. we didn't make any money at all. I didn't make any money at all that year from that from that series. And we just got absolutely slated. Oh, it's the footage is crap. Well, well yeah, I'm doing it out of the back of my van for like peanuts. Yeah. Like I haven't got a hundred thousand pounds to do this properly. You know, so uh, unfortunately, the haters, uh, yeah, they stopped that. Which is a shame because, like, if it got better, and obviously with technology, every year would have been getting better. And, you know, even just the new things, like there was, do you remember Periscope? Do you ever knew what yeah, Periscope was? Yeah, yeah, the Periscope? original live stream. The original live stream thing. Yeah. So we were one of the first to sign up to Periscope, and we were getting some good figures on, some good numbers on Periscope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the problem is, is everyone was always so negative. You know, people didn't realize you know, what we were actually were delivering for them. Yeah. You know, the support that they got and the coverage that they got at the event was, was huge. Yeah. So what ultimately led you to kind of step away from it? Was it a frustration or? No, it was, um, it was British cycling. 
Um, okay. So if you remember Sky, sponsored British Cycling, everywhere mm-hmm. there was the Sky logo. It was all about the, the velodrome, let's yeah. be honest. It was all about that side of things, which is fine. So there was never a Sky logo on the number board or on the finish line or on the website or anything. They had no, they didn't want any involvement. So HSBC, so the Sky year dropped after mm. seven years. It, it finished, which was fine. That's how yeah. it was going to happen. HSBC came on board, title sponsor. It was like, brilliant. But they want to be title sponsor. Part of the deal is they want to be title sponsor of every series and every national series. So it's HSBC, National, BMX series, cyclocross, uh-huh. uh, four cross series, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, oh, I was like, wow, yes, right. We are going to get like, wow, this is going to be a pot of gold. We're going to, the series is going to be huge. How much money are they going to give us? None. Uh, All right, okay. But so they want, it's got to be the HSBC National Series on the number boards, on the, you know, everywhere. It's that, they're the title sponsor. Yeah. Well, well, where's the money then? Well, like, right, where's my money? Where, you know, I run this series on the sponsorship money. And GT were the title sponsor at the time. So I said, well, so can GT be the presenting sponsor? Because GT were like, look, if HSBC is at the top, yeah, GT doesn't mind being at the bottom, you know, because obviously being HSBC should be lifted a higher presence, a yeah. high profile. Yeah. No, you can't have GT. It's just HSBC. I was like, well, I, 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 I can't run the series. Like, yeah. that's my... Yeah, financially doesn't work anymore. It right? doesn't. I can't. I can't afford to do it without my sponsorship side yeah. of things. No, so that's it. So we. So I was like, well, I have to leave it then. So I was gutted. I was like, that's 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 a wounder. So we we had to stop it. So uh, I went back to GT, uh, and so Clive Goslin, who's the marketing director at CSG Cycling yeah. Sports Groups, which at the time owned uh, GT Mongoose Cannondale. Yeah. Um, there was Schwinn as well, perhaps. Um, and he said, oh, I said, he said, well, we want to sponsor you next year. We, we, I've got the money allocated for next year for the series. And he went, why don't you bring back the Mulvans? <laughs> I went, what? He went, the Mulvans. He said, everyone likes a festival. There isn't, there isn't a bike festival. He said, I'll give you the money for that. I was like, all right. You sure? And he went, yeah. So I literally, like that day, I got on the phone to East North Castle. was like, hello. Um, Mountain bike event, festival, the Mulvans. And he went, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we used to do that back in. So it ran from 1989 to 1999. ran for 10 years. And I was like, yeah, cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. I thought, well, it can't be hard, can it? It's a race, isn't it? (laughs) Instead of having 10 toilets, I'll just have 100 toilets. Instead of having one skip, I'll have 10 skips instead of, 100 crowd barriers I'll have 500 crowd barriers so that size marquee can make it a bit longer a bit bigger <laughs> how hard can it be so yeah that's Clive Goslin is the guy to thank for bringing the Morvans back yeah. he, he actually stumped the money up, up front and allowed me to do it you know so I was like wow that's great so that's why I've got such an affiliation with GT yeah um, and personally with Clive as well he's like anything you do we'll, we'll back it yeah, he's got that confidence. And I love that because there's so many brands out there and it's great that they sponsor riders and stuff. And like I say to him, that's great. You've sponsored. And I spoke to Cliff Barbary from Dirt Wars, who's the National Dirt Jump Series. And he was down at Core Bike Show at the weekend. Yeah. And he was talking to brands. They oh no, but we sponsor these guys. They come to your event. They race, they, they ride, they jump at your event. He said, but there won't be an event. <laughs> yeah. Unless you. not funded. Yeah. yeah. Like you've always got to have sponsored riders. That's fine. Yeah. But people still have to sponsor the event organizers. 
because without us, without we we don't build that shelf, you can't put anything on it. Yeah, and that's what has always been a massive bugbear for me that some brands are just like no, but then some brands really embrace it, and I think you should support the brands that are putting on those events. Yeah, you know, and it's Pier Cycles perfect example you know there's 300 riders sold out pier cycles fantastic regional series best regional series in the world 100% guaranteed but then like why isn't all the 300 riders that are turning there buying their bikes and bits and pieces from pier cycles because they should be yeah fair you know because they're the ones that are there putting on that event yeah you know and they're a brilliant yeah. event like why are you not supporting them yeah you should be supporting pier cycles in fact, that's the last year of running the series this year. I did hear that rumour, which is sad. Somebody might be taking it on, whether the brother or yeah. his son, or somebody might be doing something. I don't be good know. to see it continue. Oh, yeah, for 100%. Sure. 100%. Yeah. That'll be a massive loss. So, so yeah, that's where the Morvans erupted from. Yeah. You know, and 2018, after a 19-year break, spoke with Jay Hardy, who originally ran the series. I mean, he went through a number of different changes and that. It was really like it, McLean Cycles, mm-hmm. um, uh, and Dennis, the guy that used to originally own it and run it, and then it was through Jay Hardy. So I got his permission. He was happy. He was cool. Like he said, he said, you know what? So many people have asked in the past, and nobody's had the balls. I say stupidity uh, to bring it back. And he yeah. said, you're the only one that's actually put, put your cock on the block and actually gone ahead and done it. Um, which was, you know, I, which was it, it, a lot of things happened personally for me at the time. I lost the, the BDS series through the sponsorship side of things. Uh, had a lot of trauma at home um, with, the, well, I say the wife, but you know, so th- that all went this way with kids and stuff. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, and, but financially that set me up. My mum died a week later after that news. I, I literally oh, had a, a month of lost the BDS. The wife ran off <laughs> uh, and then my mum died and brought me up. And Jeez. I was in a, I was in an absolute mess, um, which I do have to thank Clive Gosling for again. Cause I phoned him. I said, I just need an e-bike. It's when e-bikes, yes, when I used to get, I used to get a lot of abuse riding an e-bike 2018. <laughs> People hated you. People yeah. spat at you and stuff like that. Um, and I phoned him up and said, dude, I need, I need an e-bike. I just need to put my headphones on and helmet and get into the woods on my own. And he, he said, don't buy one. I said, I'll just send you one. And he, he saved, he saved my, he saved my life because I was in a, it was getting dark. Oh, was, I was in a mess. I was in a real horrible, yeah. horrible mess. Yeah. But um, yeah, e-bikes, you can say you hate them all day long, but it, 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 it got me. It out. got me out. Yeah. Just, just rain or shine. Why just, e-bike? Just was it a lack of fitness, or just because you wanted to get out on? I just wanted to get away from everyone. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just wanted to go out in the woods on my own and just do laps. Yeah, just use it like a yo-yo. Uh, I, I mean, I blew that bike up. I destroyed it. You know, I think I went through three motors on it. Excuse me. A cool bike show, shaking hundreds <laughs> of people's hands. I picked up a cool bike. The f- uh, lurgy. The cool bike virus. Cold. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the e-bikes, fantastic. Yeah, they're good bits of kit, to be fair. I'd rather ride a normal bike. Yeah. Flick it around, but the e-bike's just, I only use it as a yo-yo. It's yeah. a downhill, it's an up and down machine. That's all it's used for. I don't do yeah. cross-country laps. It's up and down. Nice. Multiple laps. Love it. So Malvin's then, was it as simple as just ordering a few extra skips and Did a few extra Malvin's toilets? Did you say Malvin's or Malvin's? I said Malvin's and I should say Malvin's. If you're from Malvern, it's Malvern. If you're from down south, it's the Malverns. I don't know why. They still say that. Everyone yeah. still says it, yeah. And the Malverns, sorry, say it again. <laughs> was it as easy as just getting a few extra skips and a few crowd barriers? No. No, I no, can imagine it, it wasn't. Was, it was a nightmare. Tell us um, about that first year. First year was really interesting. Uh, 105 trade strands. Trade trade was like that. 
fantastic idea. Let's do it. Like yeah. we're in. I was like, brilliant. A month before we had sold 300 tickets. And what would you have hoped to have sold? A few Three, thousand. Three thousand. Yeah. So I was, I was like going to lose everything. Like that. And then a week before on the Monday, I'd only sold 900 tickets. And I was like, I'm in trouble here. Like I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. Yeah. Because that's borrow some. Because when you buy on a festival, so the race entry, the, sorry, the ticket money. You buy a ticket today yeah. for a, a festival. You don't buy it off me. You buy it off the ticket agent. Mm -hmm. So your deal is with the ticket agent. The ticket agent won't give me that money until a week after the event. Not because I'm from Birmingham. It's because <laughs> I might. In the past, people have run off to yeah, yeah. South America and get yeah. the money. So they don't give you the money until a week after the event. So it's all about every business cash flow. Yeah. So you obviously have to do a little bit of wheelie dealing. Uh, all above board and honest, of course. Um, sold a kidney. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you you have to fund that up front. Yeah. Because I, I want to put this big event on. You know, it's a few hundred grand to put on. I was going to say, it's a lot of money. Who's, gonna yeah. fund, who's, who's backing you? You know, you, so you have to get some cash from somewhere because yeah. they, they, we don't know you. You know, they all want paying up front in advance. So that's, yeah. that's the huge risk. And then as I said, on the Monday, it only sold 900 tickets. What we did do, we did the late ride. And we got someone to ride the late ride and fall in. That video got 95,000 views on Thursday, maybe on the Wednesday. But uh -huh. by Thursday, it got 95,000 views. Yeah. Because I think they don't want to see the late ride. People riding across. I said to this kid, this lad, Mitch, I said, dude, you got to, like, you're falling in. <laughs> like, that's the video. Yeah. And he, and he, he wouldn't have fell. He's a great rider. He fell in, which was great. And I think that combined with the video of, I was driving around in my pickup truck, and there's the market, and we had a massive market, and there's the fit. People are going, oh, wow. And then on Friday, I mean, I was crying. I, I mean, I stopped looking at the, because you start looking every day, every hour almost. And I, I was I was in like, you know, I was in a mess. I was yeah, because like, you know you've got this huge I'm, bill coming that you can't pay, right? I'm going to, I'm in like 200 grand in debt. Like, yeah. I'm going to have to go bankrupt. Like, and all of a sudden, um, on the Friday afternoon, I, I went I went to the ticket person, the lady, and I was like, there's a lot of people here. Like, I thought there was going to be like, a thousand people there. Yeah. And she went, ticket sales last night. I don't know what you did, but ticket sales went like that. So I think combined with the video, the late ride, me doing that video and the people that turned up must have phoned home and gone, you got to get here. Like this is, this is going to be all right. Yeah. So we had three and a half thousand people year one. Don't get me wrong. The caterers on the Monday were like, how many people you got coming? Mm. Mm, about 900 so far mate um, probably going about 1500 to 2000 people well we ain't coming oh, please can you come no I ain't coming there mate got something on by me we'll do that instead wow so we went from 6k it was down to 3 so of course <laughs> the biggest complaint in the first year and it's quite funny because loads of people come up you know there wasn't enough caterers <laughs> yeah I do <laughs> yeah, know I'm that aware. I was aware of that I know there was a big queue I'm sorry uh, when did you put your ticket oh Thursday it's a bit like having a party at my house, yeah? And 10 people say they come in and I've got enough sausage rolls for 10 people, <laughs> yeah? And then 30 people turn up. So then everyone complains on Facebook. I went to size party. There wasn't enough sausage rolls. It was <laughs> shit. Um, so yeah, so it's stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, like you, you just can't forecast that and you can't tell Kate. You have to be honest with the caterers and get them to come. Yeah. I could have lied to them. But, but yeah, some of them are a bit... Yeah, that'd beat me up. But it went well that first year. So, eh? Yeah, well, yeah, well, year one went very well. So great success. Obviously, loads of cracks, loads of things to iron out. But it was the first year. Everyone had a good time. The weather yeah. was pretty dry. 
you know, it was it was all good fun. Year two, don't worry, 2019 is going to be brilliant. Then it started to and rain. Then it rained. And it rained yeah. a lot. And then it carried on raining. What stage were you at? Like, was the, was the build basically done? Like, build was done. Was in, so, yeah. so we we were in there on the Saturday. I should have known on the Sunday because I was there on the Sunday. It was supposed to be a bright sunny day. Yeah. I turned up in shorts and t-shirt and it hailed. And everyone was like, what's going on? We were huddled under a tree and it was hailing. It was like, it was June. It was like, what's going on? Uh, and it just tipped it down. And we were, at no point did we even think this isn't going ahead. Yeah. And then on the Thursday morning, we we, we arrived on site um, and got there and the bottom of the field was flooded. And it was like, because it had rained all. But the weather the weather forecast was... was, was yeah. It was like, this isn't supposed to be happening. The roads outside were flooded, like in the middle of June. Jeez. Um, people couldn't get in. Scott Beaumont said, I can't get in. The roads are flooded all outside. Can't get into the venue. Yeah. I was like, well. So, yeah, the field. And then the organiser came over. The, sorry, the estate manager came over that we deal with. And he was actually going to tell, tell us that we were going to have to cancel. Yeah. Because it would erect all the fields. And I said, you walked over, I said, I'm cancelling it. And he was like, I'm glad you said that because I was going to tell you to cancel it. <laughs> so, I mean, we've got people like a couple of the, some key people there. There's people like Rory from Upgrade, Rory Hitchens, yeah. old school dude. Um, and I just said, look, we're going to have to pull it. So we just pulled it. We cancelled it. How does that work then? Like what's insured, what's not? Like how, how does that loss hit you? Uh, sold my house. Right. Still renting a house. Yeah. Um, refunded everyone that wanted a refund. Traders. Yeah. And all the punters. Um, what is insured, luckily we did pay for adverse weather insurance. So okay. Pardon the pun, sunken costs. So anything you've hired in, <laughs> yeah, that's that you've hired in for that event, mm -hmm. you can get your money back on. Okay. So so the crowd barriers, the toilets, the skips, the marquees, yeah, things like that. All the stuff that you've bought that can be used again. So even things like just even things like the Marshall stuff, all the uh, merchandise that was dated, uh, the staff's wages, things like that. You just couldn't claim back. So I lost a significant amount. Of money. A lot yeah. enough to have to sell your house. Yeah. So that was like, all right, don't worry though, it's fine. Yeah, we'll We're going to come back year. in 2020. It's going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to be bigger and better. I think if you saw the video, I did a video. Me and my brother were stood there in the Ivy's vest. Everyone said, it looks like you were going to cry. Yeah. It's, like, it's like watching the Rev video when they announced yeah, they were Yeah, shutting. yeah, And yeah. And it was like, you know, we've worked so hard for four, four five days. Well, however many days it was, five, six days, I would have said. But you know what is amazing? So then somebody said, so, so we had to phone everyone up. So I had to start at the top. I was like, right, you start at the top of this list. You yeah. start at the bottom. There's a hundred, hundred odd traders to phone. Sorry, we can't come. Right. It's, it's not on. It's cancelled. Yeah. It's, it's what, right. And I was telling them, tell them to F off, get off the phone, phone the next one. Like yeah. you've got 20 seconds. Each phone calls 20 seconds. Cause you've got a hundred, cause people were driving there. People, yeah, yeah. people were still turning up. You were emailing them and phoning them. And of course, some were getting the messages. Some of them were, I've just packed the van. Yeah. Sorry, mate. It's cancelled. Uh, but uh, gotta go someone else's phone bye like just be rude to them yeah. like at least you've told them yeah and then they kept phoning back is it yes it's cancelled gotta go got phone another hundred people bye I, I was so rude and I did apologise to <laughs> most of them after, in the end but they understood but you know what the best thing was so we, someone said to me why don't you just do another video and I was like look it's cancelled sorry blah 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 if anyone's available right they're coming out like pack it away because yeah. we are broken and we were broken. Yeah. And 
I can't tell you the numbers, but about 35, 40 people turned up. And That's it was amazing. Pissing down with rain. Yeah. I mean, it was wet. And so we got it. We got, I mean, they were going up the courses, getting all the poles, you know, and they were coming, they were absolutely soaked. And, and one of the caterers was already there and he was like, I'll sort the food out. He did everyone the food. Do oh, you know what I mean? It was, it was like, oh, oh, you know, thank you so much like that. And then the Dodgems guy, because the Dodgems was already set up, free fun fair. The Dodgems was already set up and I went up to Dodgems and I said, mate, you know, I'm paying you for this. He was gonna, he's gonna, he's, he was going to get paid. Yeah. We have, we have 15 minutes on this. <laughs> I went back to all the people. I went, the Dodgems is open. And everyone that was obviously like, just for that 15 minutes. That's so it was cool. Just like everyone was just on the dodgems, you know, obviously trying to kill each other. It was just great. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, right now, back to work. Come on. Uh, and we, but you know what? We tidied up. We got everything packed away, um, ready to be shipped and whatever. Yeah. Like, because everyone was lost all hands on it. People come, you know, from all over. Couldn't tell you exactly where everyone came from, but what a community that uh, everyone was like. I mean, they just felt sorry for us. They were just, and the people were like, we're on our way anyway. You know, somebody would come down from Scotland and they were like, well, we're here now. We'll just give you a hand. That's so Him good. and his wife and his two kids were chipping. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. Like, because we were just battered. Yeah. Absolutely, Dan. And then, I bet. and it was only then realised the financial hit and everything. And But don't worry, 2020 will be fine. Yeah, all good. Oh, hang on a minute. Hold on a second. What's his COVID business business going down? Oh, no. So, yeah. So, again, you lose money from that because you still got stuff. You're still working on it. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of theoretically, I didn't pay myself since 2017, you know, because you think 2018 broke even, 2019 yeah. lost money, 2020, 21 made money, 22 made money, great. But then all of a sudden it's like, we actually, when you add it up, you know, I'm going into year six now. Like it's not, yeah, it's, it's. You don't become a millionaire off organising bike events. No, you always expect it's going to take three years to make money. Yeah, but when you have two bad years, where you I don't where you, and of course you, it's almost like the event never happened. People seem to f not, almost forgot about it. Yeah. So we've had two strong years now. Twenty twenty three. We've had two good years of weather as well. The events went pretty well last yeah. year. Was pretty seamless to be honest. There was no issues. No, yeah. no big mistakes. Um, For people that don't know about the the, the Mulvans, yeah, got it right. Um, just tell us what it is, because like, if you unless you grew up and were into mountain biking like twenty years ago, you don't know about the background. And if you've missed it for some reason over the last couple of years, like, so what is it? So ten years ago, uh, twenty thirty years ago, eighty ninety nine, it was chaos. I was there. Uh -huh. I was part of the chaos. I caused some of that chaos. <laughs> um, it was. It was unruly. You know, people just turned up with um, kids were getting dropped off. Seventeen year old kids with four liters of cider. You know, and a cross country race and a downhill race and a dual slalom race and people made ramps, their own ramps, nicked tables out of the marquee and jumped into the lake. The bar got raided, led by Rob Warner. Told you he was a naughty man, and yeah. they they smashed the bar up and robbed all the drinks. Yeah, all the toilets got knocked over. Yeah, it was chaos. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that anymore. Um, so we bought it back in, as I said, uh, 2018. It's the Glastonbury mountain biking. So um, over 100 plus trade, about 120 trade stands. Yeah. It's um, about 19 different races, everything from the Balanced Bike World Championships over three days, Rippers Racing, five to 10 year olds, the British Cycling National, uh, National Dual Slalom, National Four Cross uh, Championships is there. So basically racing, it's all entry level. It's not Fort William. You yeah. know, the, the course isn't like that. It's it's very, very, very entry level. Uh -huh. um, but it's just great. It's bums on seats, you yeah. know. So about six and a half thousand people last year. Um, 
almost 2,000 of those are racing. The other 2,000 actually ride. So you can ride all the courses yeah. when they're not officially open for practice or racing. So, uh, nice. so the, for example, the Enduro's on Sunday, four stages. Friday, Saturday, can we ride the Enduro? Crack on, folks. Yeah, nice. You can ride those stages. So, so people are actually riding bikes. They've got the GoPros on. They can ride down that course. Friday was the National Dual Slalom Championships. You'd be watching all the top riders on there. Saturday and Sunday, you and the kids, you and your mates, can we go ride the Dual Slalom? Crack on, folks. Go and get some like, you know, awesome. race mate. You can do your race mates down there, follow each other. Yeah. So from our perspective, that's great. Big arena. Uh, <sighs> the night's out. The night's out. We've got Leroy from The Prodigy. Uh, he's DJing. <laughs> We've got uh, Doddy from GMBN. He's yeah. great on the decks. Uh, old school rave um, uh, trio, which is, um, oh, what are they called? I should remember this. Should... Hold on. Saturday night we got the Rat Pack, old school rap oh, yeah, DJs. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot it was on Friday night, but there you go. Um, they do Shades of Rhythm. Um, yeah, Shades of Rhythm. There you go. Friday night, okay. Shades of Rhythm. Three guys from uh, Peterborough, brilliant old school MCs. Yeah, getting the crowd lifted. Oasis cover bands, uh, Britpop cover bands, that sort of thing. So the night out is just fantastic. But it finishes Party. at midnight. Yeah. It's not. There's some crazy people out there. People getting drunk and that, but it's not. It's nothing. Like, it's family friendly then yeah. family very much family friendly yeah. uh, and then you got the free fun fair and things like which is all free as well free airbag free pump track hands ray trials area the slack lines yeah. as well so very much an outdoor focused for the family nice come along bring your bikes come and have a good time yeah. come and enjoy yourself and it's been well attended you've had like hands ray's been there danny mccaskill the 50 to one boys win masters yeah so don't get me wrong it's the same weekend as the world cup we're yeah. always going to clash with something so we do miss those top the top boys and girls to come uh -huh. along so yeah that is a problem one year it'll hopefully it will align and the stars will all line up together and then we'll get those over but a lot of sort of social social media influencers they're 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 the people to get hold of uh -huh. you know I, I gave a set of handlebars the local kid down the trails the other day last sunday he'd kept falling off his bike his stem was 100 mil long and i gave him a pair of um I don't know, Paris, Steve Peets, true to bars and stem. <laughs> they actually went off his bike. I bought one of his old bikes off him and I gave it to his kid. He didn't know who Steve Pete was. That's mad. <laughs> I was like, it? oh no. But he knew who Matt Jones was. Okay. And Matt Jones is coming to the Morphins. You know, he knows yeah. who Sam Pilgrim is. You know, Sam Pilgrim should be coming. You know, Sam Reynolds. They know all those guys. Yeah. But they don't tend to know who Danny Hart is or Aaron Gwynn or Steve Pete. Yeah. They know who Rob Warner is. I, I'm going to stop mentioning He's got his he's, YouTube he's, channel going, hasn't he? So. Yeah. He's had too many mentions already. Awesome. So it's getting bigger and better than the Melbourne's. There's lots of plans for the future, but oh, so, 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 so my goal is, is mountain biking's never going away. It ran for 10 years back in the day. We yeah. brought it back. It's I'm going for this for the next 20 years. Yeah, you've got a long-term lease on the land, right? Yeah, I had a 10-year deal on it. Uh, they'll be happy to extend that unless I mess things right royally up, which I shouldn't do, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's going to be a 10,000 strong event shortly. Yeah. Uh, and that's everyone wearing a pair of... Vans or 510s and a Fox t-shirt, you know, no tracksuits or man bags, please. <laughs> Ideally not. Um, but yeah, that's it, the potential's there, you yeah. know, and it can be bigger and better. You know, the more people that come, and I know people will never believe me. Say, I don't want a Ferrari. I don't need a Ferrari. You know, I want to invest in the, in the event itself. You know, freestyle motocross. Let's get some of them there next year, you know, but if we get more people coming to the event, yeah, yeah. we can have a freestyle motocross display. We can get, 
you know, we bought Bob Harrow over last year. You know, we had Danny McCaskill and his drop and roll tour. And that's a lot of money to get those guys across, but uh-huh. it wouldn't it be great to have them? Fabio Widmer, somebody like that to come in, yeah. you know? So the YouTube stars, some of the top riders to come uh, and just more attractions, you know, more events to, to go on and, and, and make it even bigger and even better. You know, some crazy stuff, hairdressers, barbers there, come and get a Mulvan's mullet. <laughs> <laughs> Pay a five and the five goes to charity. Just things like that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, crazy, some crazy stuff. It's in the pipeline. Watch. Sounds good. So what, let's reflect on downhill racing then in the UK since you stepped away from the BDS. Yes. Is it fair to say it's sort of suffered? I think the promotion side suffered. I I think the numbers are great. I mean, when I last ran the series in 2017, I had to cancel Moultfree. We had less than 150 riders, you know, that's a 10 grand loss. I was like, I I had to cancel about two, three weeks before the event. Yeah. Um, the older age groups are dying, dying. Uh-huh. We're di- <laughs> Literally. We're, we're dying, we're dying. Um, it's all the young guns. It's the juveniles, the youth and juniors. That's what's propping up the series. Those numbers okay. are really high where back in the day, you'd have 80, 90 senior riders. Yeah. I don't know the, f- the exact numbers now. You'd have to go on a Roots and Reigns, Seb Frost. He's local, Very isn't he? he is, yeah. Um, to look at the, the stats, but you know, the, the numbers are down for the Masters Vets, Grand, well, no, the Grand Vets is all right. This uh-huh. whole boys, 50 plus. Um, but it's the younger kids that are coming through. So that's, that's strong. That's brilliant. Um, you know, I, 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 and I'm not just picking on any individual exactly, but I've seen stuff like from Malcolm Dern. He's got a race here. He's putting some grafting, you know, he's been down at Riola with the diggers and, and yeah. putting some work in. Um, I'll always say the promotion side, you can never do enough for promotion, you know, um, but getting the articles on pink bike, getting the race previews. Hey, next weekend, it's going to be, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I did the race here last year. We got Steve Pete at retirement. You know, we got Danny Hart here. We got Laurie Greenland here, but you've got to promote that. You know, yeah. Steve Pete's going to be, he's at retirement, but you know, we had, and I don't know the figures, but we probably had 1500 spectators come here, which is really good. These you days know, for a national, right? Yeah. But you know, I paid for a big marquee. Yeah. You know, people go, oh, that marquee's a waste of money. Well, wait till Sunday, you know, rain or shine. But the marquee was big. and yeah. But you got to, you got to do that promotion, the course preview videos, you know, actually have someone on social media while you're there that weekend. Yeah, Steve Pete's here. Laurie Greenland's here. Danny White's here. Danny White's here. What do you think of the track? How are you getting on? What bike are you riding? You've got to do all that side of things, Yeah, you know. So, but, you know, it took me 10 years to get the BDS polished, you know, I didn't do a good job in the first year, second Uh year, third year, fourth year, fifth year. Yeah. Yeah. You're always improving, but the riders, they've got to get involved. As I said, we had very few people come and help us dig, you know, we put the BDS on here last year. You mentioned there was like two riders came to help. Oh, so Will Fuel came, uh, but then the only other two people that ha- uh, that weren't racing that offered to help and actually came and did a did some work was two female riders. You know, nothing wrong with female riders, of course, that's great. But where was where was everyone else? Yeah, you know. And then when it come to packing away, no, nobody helped. No, nobody said, "Oh, we'll we'll help get all those." I mean, we had a lot of crowd barriers. You know, we had over two hundred crowd barriers brought yeah. in, and we stacked all. You know, that's a big job. Do you want to get everything done by? whatever time nine o'clock at night because that's when it's going to get dark yeah, yeah but you know nobody offers to help you know it's it's even hard to get people to take the rubbish and put the rubbish in the skip they think it's your job to take their rubbish for them which causes arguments but you know that that's, that's what happens so yeah um it's it's very hard to run a good national race series it's a lot easier to run a regional race series because you're local. But if you run yeah, a national yeah. race series, you've got to start traveling here, there and everywhere. And of course now it's, there's three or four different race organizers running the national series. So having that continuity, 
what time does race registration open? Do they open it at different times? You know, I'd like to open race registration at three o'clock on a Friday. I'd rather just get you in. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm not going to bed till midnight. We skip race registration open till 11 o'clock at night. I'd rather sign you in at 11 o'clock on a Friday night yeah. than stand in that queue on Saturday morning when stuff's happening. Yeah, yeah. You know, get you in. But it's it's having all that continuity, standardization and getting everyone to be doing exactly the same thing when everyone's got their own different rules and regs. Yeah. Um, whether that be from marking tape out to how many marshals should be on that course. Yeah. Yeah, not straight. So it's, it's 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 very, very difficult to run a good national series. Yeah. Fair enough. Let's talk then about the the world stage. Some big changes uh, coming this year with the move from Red Bull to Discovery. Yes. We were talking before we sat down to record, actually, you, you have a background in commentary, obviously, uh, and commentated on some of the World Cups for Eurosport back in the day. So you've kind of got some experience of the last time that we were in front of a different audience, pre-Red Bull. A mainstream audience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, I'll say, and this is, I'm, I'm being respectful and polite here to Red Bull. Is like, I mean, the, the footage that they delivered was fantastic. Yeah, it was incredible. We've never had coverage it's, as good. It's been brilliant. Yeah. You, you couldn't falter it. You know, Rob Warner's commentating, etc. Fantastic. The only issue is, is only us lot saw it. When I used to work at Eurosport, um, and, and, and the first time I ever did it, you know, and we were in the little booth. We had to do it live. It was live footage and you're there talking over it from an office in London, a Eurosport HQ. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, Mo, uh, MotoGP's on. It might have been Valentino Rossi. He might have won. I can't exactly remember. And it's like, right, next up is the Man Bike World Cup live from South Africa. You know, the guy says this and you're like, okay, cool. Right. You're on in two minutes. Viewing figures. This is so from Paris, Central HQ, yeah. Eurosport. Viewing figures just in. It was something like 18 million had just watched the MotoGP. Because obviously everyone in Europe watches the MotoGP. Yeah. They love it. We all, you know, it's great. And I was like, holy shit. Right. Here we go. Right. Okay. And you're on in 10, fight three. Right. Wow. Good morning. Welcome live from the Mountain by World Cup here in South Africa. It's 28 degrees. It's a beautiful day. Blah, blah, blah. Next day, walked out my house. I had a proper job at the time. And uh, my next door neighbour walks out the door and goes, uh, all right. Quarter past eight in the morning. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I was watching the MotoGP yesterday. I thought, here we go. And the mountain bike was coming. I thought, I watched that. And it said, oh, side paying. And he went, I think that's that's the guy. He said to his missus, like, I think that's that's Cy from next door, I think. that's I think that's his surname, isn't it? She was like, oh, I don't know. And then you started talking. And he's like, it is, it's him. It's Cy from next... Hold on. How have you got back from South Africa? And I was like, oh, that's a long story. But anyway, my point is, my next door neighbour, who's not a mountain bike fan, has never come, ever said to me, oh, I was watching the Mountain Bike World Cup. Yeah. Because... I find it hard to get, to get, and so does everyone else. I know you said. Yeah, I, I struggle to find the link sometimes. For... You get you get your mates emailing you, going, yeah. messaging you, going, how do I get with, to go onto redbull.com slash bike and then yeah. find it. Yeah, we know where it is, the mountain bikers, you know where it is that are watching this, but your next door neighbour that's not a mountain biker doesn't. So then you got to ask yourself back in the day, and if you're old like us, you'll remember it was the Grundigs, it was the Diesel. Yeah, uh, World Cups. You know, it was sponsored by mainstream companies, the likes of help me out with some of these names. It was the Kona, Kona, Ford, F uh, Ford Kona, Volvo, Cannondale, Volvo, Cannondale, Mercedes, Marin. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I forgot there the Mercedes Marin yeah, squad. Yeah. The car companies were sponsoring. Yeah. 
Volvo Cannondale. Yeah. yeah, they were all there. They're, Big drinks companies, Mountain Dew. Yeah, they were all Coors. in there. Yeah. yeah, Sean Palmer, Mountain Dew, stuff like yeah. that. People were getting big money uh, because it was mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. The thing, like, things have changed now. If you put it on BBC One today or, you know, ITV or uh, an American channel, people aren't watching television these days, are no. they? It's all online coverage, yeah. you know. But I said, you're not getting that online coverage. That coverage is not getting into households, you know, which is why the riders aren't getting what they should be getting. Yeah. Pound notes wise. Yeah. Um, so actually, I think that as, as, as good a job as Red Bull did with the coverage, the actual presentation promotion of the to the the, the more outside world mm -hmm. of our our world of our little bubble yeah um that's where it lacked yeah there's no criticism it's just fact you know yeah. uh because they're not getting 20 million people watching that that live feed yeah uh I, I i don't know the exact figures obviously a lot of people watch the live feed but i think two three times watch it on the replay. Yes. Because we're all out riding our bikes or depending on where you are in the world, it might be 3am in the morning. Yeah. So that's, that's the difference. So I actually think going on to the Discovery Channel, Eurosport, wherever it may be available, fingers crossed, we'll bring it to a wider audience. Yeah. Uh, and then from a rider's point of view, that should mean more, more pound notes, more bucks. Yeah. So the money comes in from out of industry sponsors that. Yeah want to be seen in front of this big audience i guess yeah. every rider's gonna have an only fans helmet <laughs> maybe <laughs> let's not go into that one uh, <laughs> maybe so, not. so do you think that like do you think we'll see that trickle down do you think like the national series starts to get more funding because brands that have associated themselves at this high end like other brands see that and think well maybe we want into this space but we can't access it or does it need to have does I the would national series need the promotion to, to make that happen I don't think anyone's going to promote the national series uh, firstly depending on the title sponsorship situation yeah um, I don't know how that's going to sit in with British Cycling at the moment I don't know from a national point of view is Shell going to want their logo on the number board is Shell going to be yeah. title sponsor do they even care don't know that's another story yeah. no one knows yeah. I've not seen it called the Shell National Downhill Series or the Shell National Four Cross Series. No. Has anyone? No, I don't think they have. Not yet. Um, will it even be part of that? Who knows? Um, yeah, the promotion of the events have got to be better. Because why would you sponsor something if it's getting no visibility? Yeah. You know, it's not even appearing on Pink Bike, um, you know, or, on, or, or massive coverage on social media and all the other social network, uh, social media pages. Yeah. Not just your one, but the one for, you know, all the different communities that are out there. Yeah. It, it, nobody's going to sponsor it, are they? True. But the quality and the competitiveness of the national series needs to be really good now, even more so than before, I guess, because you like the stepping stones to get to a World Cup are maybe going to become more challenging, right? It's going to be harder. Becoming more elite at that top yeah, end. It's yeah, it's going to be harder and it's going to be more condensed, isn't it? We know that. It's going to be less, we believe there's going to be less riders on that start line getting that coverage. Yeah. You know, and, and rightfully so. When you go to a, the Formula One, there's not 100 cars on the grid, is there? You know, when True. you're watching a football match, there's only two teams, you know, 11 players on each side. Yeah. You know, that's, it's it's the pinnacle. It's yeah. the core. It's not. Do you, yeah. do you worry about that side of things if I was to be really honest, I, I think I've done my spell of running the National Series. I've done my 11 years. I took it as far as I could with the assets and the income that was coming in as I could. Yeah. Um, was it the good old days? It, I think it certainly was. When you think back in, you'd have to look at the dates, but, you know, we, we'd sell the whole series out in two days, three days. Yeah. You know, but we used to make people, 
I think we know this. We used to make people have 100 BC points. I was going to say you had to have points to get in before. Yeah. yeah. So the regional organisers loved regional organisers loved us because people had to enter yeah. a regional series. So you can turn up at a national today, yeah, and never ridden a bike before in your life. Yeah. You've stabilised. They probably didn't <laughs> on the start line. But you could turn up today, right, and go, I'll have a go at this, mate. And yeah. you'd be like, all right. Okay, you've bought a British cycling license. The only qualification you need to get into a national race today is a license and a membership. Yeah. You know, we started off with one point. You needed to have at least, because we said you've got to have, so even just to get one BC point in a regional, you had to finish 15th place. Yeah, okay. So 15th place in seniors or yeah. in juniors That's or masters was pretty spicy. Well, you were all right. Yeah. You, you could ride a bike. Yeah, yeah. But you knew the etiquette. You knew not just put your helmet on backwards and yeah, to, yeah. if you were starting halfway down the course to, to look behind you that you weren't going to just pull out yeah you know and you know and someone shouted on the left you got to the left you shifted over yeah but you don't need that now and any idiot can turn up at a national level event which i think is totally wrong uh-huh. you shouldn't you should not be able to do that um so it's a difficult one because i you know why was it so good back then i, I don't know no one seems to know the answer Maybe it's because there wasn't, if you wanted a, to get up that hill on an uplift, there was no uplifts. Yeah. It was only a race. Yeah. So part of going to a race was, oh, I've, got to, I've got to lift up the hill. I didn't have to walk up that hill. I have hill. to push my downhill bike. Yeah. I remember Pierce Cycles, Dave Pierce coming to me saying, I'm going to do an uplift. I'm going to charge everyone seven quid a day. Do you think they'll pay it? I was like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Because we would all turn up at Hopton on a Sunday morning. <sighs> A long way back to that car park, park, car park on a Sunday night, you know, in the rain and the dark. Yeah. The last run would be in the dark, you know, the push up. It'd be like, oh. yeah, it was difficult times. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's why races were, were so good back then. You don't have to race now. Again, you don't have to race now because I, uh, Josh Bryson laughs at this, the Josh Bryson defect. You know, he left when he, he didn't leave Cannondale, but when he stopped uh, with Santa Cruz yeah. and then he moved on to the Cannondale side of thing and he stopped the racing and just... I say professional jibber, which is fine, you know. <laughs> um, professional riders still, but it's like you didn't have to race anymore. Yeah. So you don't have to do racing if you've got a good social media presence, do you? No, for sure. To get sponsorship and get noticed. Yeah. So people don't have to race anymore. And you can just go and have a wicked time at any of the hundreds of bike parks around the world now. Yeah. You don't need to race, do you? Um, you know, I hardly race. You know, I used to do lots of racing, you know. Um, I rather just go for an uplift day these days no stress yeah tricky isn't it so what's it going to take then to to make british downhill great again do you think can we get one of them trump caps <laughs> we make, need them don't we make you know what you need the riders to help you know so prime example and i said this and it, and it didn't happen when i did the be distant hang on every rider i emailed every rider and said to them go on facebook and instagram and social media and go hey I'm going to be at the National Downhill at Langollen this weekend. Come along and support us. Come and say hi. All these riders, the top riders are going to be there. Come and have some fun. Yeah. Hardly anyone did that. But if they'd have promoted the event, yeah. don't get me wrong, everyone's going to go, well, hold on, he's taking a fiver off everyone that comes in. Yeah. And fair enough, I do. That's yeah. my job. But what would I do with that money? I'd put it into put the it next, de- I'd put yeah. it into the next event. No, of course I'd put some of it in my back pocket and rightfully so, it's my job. Yeah. You've got a job, you get paid. Yeah. That's what I'd do. But I would invest an amount of that back into the event, the next event, to make it better. Yeah. You know, they should come and help the, help the organisers, you know. Dig days. No one wants to dig. Of course they don't. But it's better than going to the gym. 
You know, it's actually quite fulfilling. It's really nice. No one helps pack away. You know, I I, I go to Peer Cycles events. I don't want a medal for this. I just, I'm not. I know I'm saying about that. I do this now, but it's like you ask the Pierce guys. I get to their event as soon as I finish that race. I go to the top of the hill on the uplift. Yeah, I follow the last rider down and I bring all not all the course tape and all the poles in, but I walk down and carry what I can and yeah. go to Dave. I've left all these poles. Uh, all the poles are at the fire. Each fire road, I've left the. Uh, the Poles from one side or at that fire road, or I've, yeah. I've done all the tape, I've done this. And then I'll get to the bottom and, and I do this for Chris Roberts. I'm like, oh, it's bin day for me on a Monday. Give me those bin bags. I'll put them in my van uh-huh. and I'll take six or seven bin bags. I do it with Pier Cycles. Give me them, I'll take them. Don't get me wrong, my neighbours probably aren't happy because at <laughs> 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, I go down my street and open each wheelie bin and I put a bag of course tape or rubbish in it. People don't do that. I'm not, I'm not asking for a medal. No. All, I'm only saying it, I don't want thanks to inspire people and say to people that's what we should be doing yeah it relies on the community yeah we make downhill great again yeah it's yeah. not the race organisers job it's it's the riders the spectators yeah the sponsors the bike companies to get involved as well Beer Cycles did a um, my, my mate was Martin he put a picture up of the bin at, at Ruda Felon and the skip sorry the skip was piled up and all the bin bags were outside I, like I went on Instagram is that is this good or bad it's all I wrote. Yeah. And half the people went, oh, that's great. People have put the rubbish in, in the skip or by the skip. But how's the race organiser? What's he going to do with all them bags? You've walked over to the bin and gone, oh, it's full. Oh, well, I'll just leave the bag there. You could have put that bag in your van and took it home and put it in your bin, but you didn't. Yeah. If 300 people have a bin bag and put it in the skip, that's insane. Why don't you take the, the bin bag home? Yeah, we've all got bins. Yeah. And... You could even recycle probably 80% of that rubbish. Yeah. The plastic, the glass, the cardboard, the paper. Yeah. I think fair enough, but your nappies and your <laughs> your rubbish, the food rubbish, you don't want to take that home, dog poo, I get it, put it in the skip. Yeah. But you could take 80% of that rubbish home with you. Yeah. We did a race at Lang... Here. Yeah. I nearly said Langolan. Langoflin. Uh, the Enduro, just after COVID. It's a little bit, I'm not picking up your rubbish, right? Because of COVID and all that. I'm not having a skip. You know what? No one left any rubbish. They took it all home with them. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Don't you right? It saved me 400 quid on a skip. Yeah. That wasn't the point. Everyone took the... So it's doable. It's doable. Yeah. The enduro riders did it. The downhill riders... <sighs> wow. It'd be lovely to see that happen. Yeah. But the enduro riders did it, which I thought was amazing. Everyone picked up the rubbish. Yeah. And you know what? And they helped tidy up. Even Adam Brayton, who won the race... Yeah. Out, move the crowd barriers. I said, oh, okay, I got the microphone. Anyone come out, move the crowd barriers. And those people took crowd barriers. We we did it in 20 minutes Yeah, instead of two hours. There we it go. It can be done. That's what's going to make it great again is for people to volunteer, you know. Yeah. They need to pick up rubbish. They need to do some digging. They need to say to the organiser, you need a hand setting up. Marshals as well. Like oh, yeah. Every event seems to be you know? struggling for marshals these yeah. days. You know, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've marshaled, I've, I've been a British Cycling Commissaire. It's, you know, British Cycling Commissaire don't get paid. It's a volunteer's role. Yeah. You know, I've commissaired another a number of times. You know, the amount of times I've commentated for free just to make the sport better. Yeah. You know, people are very self-centered, very selfish. I think if you want to make the sport great again, you've got to put yourself out there. And you know what? The rewards are there because you, you feel great. You just make good. I'll pick, I'll get to, every time I ride, I've got a lit picker and I'll pick up lit. Yeah. After I finish riding, that five minutes, just five minutes. But you know what? It's my little cool down and I feel brilliant. Yeah. I don't want thanks because 
I get the thanks myself. Yeah, you're doing it for you ultimately. Yeah. Right? It's making you feel yeah. good. Yeah. I look around and go, this is nice and tidy now. I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't expect anyone to help me. Yeah. But everyone needs to start digging in, literally, and doing something to make the sport better. You know, I I did a little article in um uh, online thing the other day and it was like imagine if everyone set aside half a day or a day to dig once a year we'd live in mountain bike heaven <laughs> yeah. the BMXs do it I get to the BMX dirt jumps they're grafting and they're not building jumps with wood yeah. logs they're solid jumps made of mud of dirt yeah. hard work and sweat but imagine you went down your local trails and everyone was like let's do a dig day twice a year imagine here what you'd have here if everyone you know Martin and his team chipped in. Yeah. He's got 800 members, hasn't he, in the old One Giant Leap. Yeah. If he said, right, next Sunday, it's wet, no one's going to ride, let's all just dig. Imagine what 800 people would do to that. It'd be like, Whistler. Yeah. be like Whistler. It'd yeah. be like A-Line. <laughs> but no one wants to do it. No, one wants, no one wants to put the hard work in. Yeah. They rely on old people like me to do it. That's, that's what needs to improve. Yeah. People all need right. to get off their ass and chip in and ask all, and I appreciate people don't know how to dig. I'm not, not trying to sound rude, how to build a berm, how to build a tabletop, a jumper drop, but ask, it's not hard to find the people that are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's all get together. Even just go and pick up litter. Don't need hand doing that, do you? Very true. Solid message. There you go. Loud and clear, if, mate. If that's, if that's all that gets across from this, yeah. just, just a few people chip in, get on it. Yeah. I like it. And you'll feel good for a result of doing it. Yeah. And, and you'll have muscles. <laughs> all that digging it's good for you good for the there soul you go. good stuff man well, we're going to start wrapping up we've okay. got our final four questions uh, the first of those if our listeners had £150 to spend to improve their performance on a bike what would you recommend they go spend it on shovel a mattock yeah a trail rake yeah because if you build your own trails you can you'll see and you'll go oh I've built that wrong but you'll learn to ride a bike better by doing that yeah what's your go-to uh trail tool have you got a special favorite <sighs> there's three there's, you need three there's four you need four trail tools <laughs> invest in a silky saw okay super sharp japanese bladed saw yeah and cut all the um the spurs off trees yeah yeah because everyone leaves the spurs on trees don't do that even on the impale yourself yeah on. you yeah. fall on that I've seen it. It's, yeah. horrend it's horrendous. Silky saw is really good. Little one. Yeah. But, uh, I have got one of those super long ones as well to do the branch <laughs> when we used to do the jump. But yeah, anyway, there, that's really good. Uh, a big mattock. Yeah. It's like a pickaxe, but with more of a, a blade thing on it. That's yeah. good for getting, especially on the rocky courses like here. That's a super tool to use. Uh, BTR trail rake. Yeah. I've seen those. That's good for getting into all the mulch and stuff like that. That's a, that's a great tool as well. Uh, another really nice light tool is Chillington hoe. Okay. Um, made in Wolverhampton. Oh, there we go. Uh, just a bladed, like a big hand, but just great for bench cutting in and stuff for bench cutting into yeah. the side of the tracks. They're the four, tools that you need all right yeah don't use wood don't ever don't ever put logs behind because i'll just rot, it'll rot yeah. and it'll fall apart there all you right. go they're the four tools spend your money on that and you'll be a brilliant rider good stuff second one if you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16 Oof. what advice would you give him youtube i didn't know about youtube i should have done youtube like I was putting all these videos up and stuff and at the BDS and, you know, going to stuff like 
Crankworks or commentating at Crankworks, going to uh, Red Bull Rampage back in the day, like 2003, I was there. Yeah. I was on the dig team with G. Afton. I was his, his original dig team. I was one of them. Like, I should have had a, obviously not a GoPro, but whatever it was and videoed stuff. And yeah. that would have been just amazing. Yeah. Missed the trick on that. Oh, as well. well as buy Bitcoin. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then sold it a year ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before the That crash. would have been a good thing to do. Yeah. All right. Third question. If you could have a coaching session from anyone, past or present, who would it be and what would you want to learn from them? Dale Carnegie. Go on then. Do you know him? No. How to Win Friends and Influence People. Okay. Best book I ever read. Yeah. Not because I need friends, <laughs> but um, just about life. Okay. How to talk to people, how to treat people, how to use their name, how to yeah. listen to them. Interesting. Um, he's a super famous guy that died probably 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Into public speaking, and but just how to, how to engage with people. Yeah. Like, People, every kid at school should read that book. Okay. We'll put a link in the show notes so people can dig that one there out. There you go. I'm aware of the title, but I've never read it. Check it out. It's an interesting, it's a very interesting book. It was written like a hundred odd years ago almost sort yeah. of thing. Uh, but it's very interesting about how to, and that's really helped me from being where I'm in the industry. Okay. Like, and getting through life without having like a, a proper, proper job. But just how to talk to people like, yeah. but not doing it for, for, to get stuff off people, just just have a good life out of it. Yeah, being nice to people, you get that back, right? Yeah, a lot of karma stuff in that book. Really, yeah. Like for me, it's like I got two kids, eight and twelve. It's like I don't know if they ever would read it, but I, I want you to read that on holiday. Yeah, I'd give them that book when they're like sixteen and okay. say you should read this book. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, we'll stick links in the show notes and I'll read it myself. Uh, all right, last one. What do you do every day that you feel benefits you? I count my blessings every day I have a little ritual every morning I count to ten and I, I, I thank for what I've got yeah my kids good lady yeah um, ride bikes the festival my arms and legs work like really grateful for what I've got because yeah. I came from nothing I had nothing and I've sort of had nothing not long ago you know um, you know I was on the dole not long ago you know, I had nothing. I had to yeah. sell all my bikes. I had to sell literally everything I had to survive. So when you've actually got nothing, you actually realize what you have got. Yeah. And how good that is. And I was the poor, during COVID, it was the poorest I'd ever been. Like I was, I was skint. People yeah. find me out, can you come in for a ride and stuff like that? I, I can't, I can't put money in the van. But like, you, you can't, it's not about the money. It's like, it's, it's what's around you. It's the people that are around yeah. you. you yeah, know? none of those things you listed off are money related. No, it's absolutely not. Yeah, I always think that that you know when you if you, speak, if you I'm sure if you sat in an old people's home and people were dying, it's like they will not say to you, "I wish I'd bought another Ferrari or another Rolex watch." Yeah, I just spent more time with my wife, my kids, riding my bike. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what it's about. It's it's about just enjoying what you've been. You, you can always aspire to have more, and I, and, and I say that yeah, do that. But um, just being happy with what you've got at the moment. But 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 you've got to you got to get up every morning in the, mi in the mirror and go. You know what? I'm really happy with what I've got. But I do want to improve. You know. Yeah. 
Um, whether that's you know, I'm trying to do 100 press ups at the moment. I'm on 35. <laughs> I'm trying. To, I'm trying to improve. But every day you got to look at that and go, what can I do? What little things? Go, just little steps, little things yeah. to improve. Yeah, yeah. You know, like coming here today, it's improved my life. Let's hope so. Hopefully. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, that's a super nice place to wrap up. If people want to check out like you and what you're up to, where are the best places for them to look? Uh, down the dirt jumps, down the BMX track, down the pump track. That's where I'll be. Okay. Jumping. Sounds good. Leading the Grand Vet Plus category at the Four Cross Nationals. Nice. I'll be in the lead. I'll be the one over the pro section because the others can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be I'll be on the I'll be on my bike. Yeah. Besides that, I, I I I not Instagram. I mean, I've I've got a Morvan's Classic Instagram. Yeah. I don't want to be on Instagram. I'm okay. old and got no hair. I'm not important. Uh, and don't even look at my Facebook page. Like this, like <laughs> I don't put anything up about me on my Facebook page really. So yeah, yeah don't. Is there a Morvan's Classic website? Yeah, Morvan'sClassic.com. Yeah. Check out Morvan's Classic on Instagram and on Facebook, of course. But yeah, you'll just, uh, if you don't see me, you'll hear me first. Excellent. And tickets on sale for this year? Yeah, Morbus Classic tickets on sale. They'll go up in uh, April, so get your tickets now. So there's like an early bird price. That's yeah. right. UK's biggest mountain bike festival and party and expo. Get yourselves there. Why wouldn't you be there? Happy days. It's going to be fun. Nice one. Thanks, Si. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, wish everyone well. Thank you for listening to me. Uh, have a good day and go and buy some trail tools <laughs> and a litter picker and some bin bags. Nice one. Thank you. Cheers, mate. All right, that's it for this episode with Sai. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Big thank you to Canyon Bikes for supporting this episode. If you want to get yourself a new rig for the upcoming season of riding, then go and check out the trail sale on canyon.com. There's discounts across a load of Canyon's mountain bike and e-mountain bike range, and downtime listeners can save more by getting free bike guard packaging on any trail sale purchase. Just use the code the-trail-sale2023 at the checkout. That's the-trail-sale-2023, all lowercase, over at canyon.com. Terms and conditions apply, and you'll find those in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Also, a big thank you to We Are One Composites. If you want 15% off any of their awesome wheel sets or their depackaged bar and stem, then as a downtime listener, you can enter the code DOWNTIMEFEBRUARY2023 at the checkout over on weareonecomposites.com. That's downtime with a capital D, February with a capital F, followed by the number 2023 with no spaces over at weareonecomposites.com. Don't forget, this code must be entered at the final stage of the checkout process on the confirm order page. There's going to be a lot more awesome content coming your way over the course of 2023. So make sure you're following the podcast by hitting that button in your podcast app or head into downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. You can also get a bit of extra downtime by signing up to the newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. If you want to support the podcast, there's a few things you can do. The easiest one to do, tell your friends, spread the word, let everyone know about the show. Share the podcast on your social media or if you're really loving what we're doing, then you can grab yourself some merch at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop, or you can subscribe to our biannual mountain bike journal, Downtime EP, over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. All right, that's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. <laughs>